Board Gaming with Education, a podcast for anyone curious about how games and education mix. We explore various topics like game-based learning, gamification, and board games, and the impacts they have on learning. Here's your host, Dustin Stats. Coming up, we have another episode of Board Game with Education. We interview Sam Mendez, the designer of the game Unfundable. He designed this game to look at the competitive yet collaborative world of academic research. So it's a really cool collaborative and competitive game. So be sure to listen in to hear about his design process and some learning outcomes that you might get from playing the game. Now, before we get into the episode, we have an update from Board Game with Education. First off, go to boardgamewitheducation.com. We release a monthly newsletter with resources and articles from the month. We also send updates and podcast episodes through that email as well. So be sure to sign up there. And number two, we are starting our YouTube channel. Finally, this last week, we launched a couple of videos and we went live. So be sure to go to YouTube and find our channel, Board Game with Education. You can just search for that in the YouTube search bar and subscribe and hit the bell so you know when we release new videos. So now before we get into the episode, I want to talk about our sponsor, Evolution Education Edition. I've talked about this game already, and we had Scott on the podcast to talk about the design process of Evolution to the digital and then on to the Education Edition. So I'm excited to share this game with you. It is available on all platforms, iOS, Windows, Steam. It's a great tool to use to look at ecosystems, uh, cause and effect, a lot of other ways you can leverage this game for game-based learning in a science classroom. So be sure to check that out. It's 50% off for about a few more days now. So check that out before the sale ends. You can also go to evolutionvideogame.com backslash education to look at some resources that were developed for the game as well. So be sure to check that out. So now let's get into the interview. Welcome to another interview episode of Board Game with Education. I am thrilled to be joined by Sam Mendez today. He is a comparative media studies student at MIT and the designer of the board game Unfundable. So before I jumped on this call with Sam, I did a little bit of research and he has a really nicely well-designed website and I learned a little bit about him and that he is an animator. Sam, what kind of animation do you do? I do, I guess, sort of experimental. I really like to uh, do stop motion work sort of in a studio environment under a camera. And my favorite thing to, my favorite material to use in the past has been food. So it's been really fun to show like process of a recipe cooking, just examining like the physical and aesthetic properties of foods. That's been a major theme in my past work. And then I've done a lot of like experimentation with using stop motion to kind of document real spaces, like taking a lot of photos of the windows of a building or leaves in a forest to kind of try to make a collage out of it. That's really cool. I did look at or I watched a trailer of one. I might have to go look for the full length of, I think it's a Busan to the Sea, maybe? Is that the name of it? Yeah, that one was a lot of fun to make. It involved, yeah, just thousands of photos as I was walking across various parts of the city. I need to make that one 
fully public finally. Yeah, I think only the trailer was on when you saw it. Yeah, it was. I mean, because I lived in South Korea for a year, so it was really cool. I love to watch, I guess, videos about different areas in the world that I've lived, and I was able to visit Busan a couple times, and it was one of my favorite cities in South Korea. If I had a chance to go back and live somewhere, I would choose Busan. I think in a heartbeat. Oh, nice. Yeah, completely. I completely fell in love with it when I was there. Um, just like the mix of mountain, forest, city, seaside, rivers, like you have every kind of environment just like in one place. Really cool. So we are here to talk about a bit about your game Unfundable and the design process for that, because I think you have a very unique take on thinking about the process of receiving grants for research. And we'll get into that in a bit. But before we do, we like to ask our guests to tell us about a time that you were on the receiving end of learning something through a game. Yeah, I think one game that definitely comes to mind is Mavis Beacon Teaches Typing. I'm not sure the general exposure to that, but I remember uh, using that in grade school to learn how to type, which is probably a, an alien idea to a lot of students growing up right now. <laughs> but I, there's something very satisfying about um, seeing like the ghost hands on the computer screen as you were typing, like telling you what fingers to use, and then also you would have like tests and then there would be like games where you would type quickly enough to help like a penguin cross some icebergs and stuff like that. It was, yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. (laughs) Yeah. I think a lot of people, at least my age played a lot of those typing games growing up to learn, you know, where you place your fingers on the keyboard and what finger to use to type certain letters. Oh yeah. I was just thinking to myself, I wonder if uh, that's still part of education for young students these days. I'm I'm not entirely sure. I know as far as my experience talking to my wife in Taiwan this last I guess it was about a year ago now. Her students knew really well. They knew and understand they knew and understood how to use an iPad and like using document transfers through the iPad and pulling up materials through the iPad, but then when they had to do something on the computer, like save a file for example, that was a bit foreign to them. I don't know if save a file was like the specific example she told me of, but it was something very like basic that you kind of learn in computer skills like 101. So can you tell us a little bit more about who you are and what you do? Well, yeah. So I have a background in, as you said, um, animation and then also public health research. I've been really interested for a while in health equity and how to use research processes that can be more collaborative across fields between academic institutions and local communities uh, to try to make research more responsive to people's needs and then also to have greater impact by involving more people. You know, eventually you want the findings to reach out and influence people. And I'm interested in how to incorporate more people from the beginning of that process. Uh, So I studied effectively studio art and public health in college, um, and have gone on since then to work in community engagement for public health research, video projects around a wide variety of topics. And then now I'm at MIT studying comparative media studies and hoping to continue research into community engagement and the role that various kinds of media can play in that. Awesome. So I guess that kind of goes into my next question is what brought you on the path to maybe games in general or games in education or using games to 
teach a topic or to really have a discussion around a different topic because unfundable it's all about the uh, looking at the competitive and collaborative world of academic research right so before we get into talking about that game what brought you to considering games as a tool for understanding ways that we learn things or have a discussion about something i first started getting more into gaming as a hobby in college i think like a lot of people that i know at least through um friends introducing me to Settlers of Catan. And so it was a hobby of mine for a while since then. Uh, but it wasn't until coming to MIT and seeing a lot of the work of groups around here, um, like there's one research group called the Education Arcade that looks a lot at educational gaming. And then there's another research group around here called the Game Lab, which kind of uh, investigates board game as a medium that carries a lot of messages with it, that like the production of it kind of can reinforce ideas you may or may not want to reinforce and that got me to really in the past like a couple of years consider games and board games especially a little more seriously as academic tools i think I, it just hadn't crossed my mind to kind of connect this world of my hobby with this other world of my academic interests and i was really drawn to just the way in my own gameplay experience and with my friends seeing the way we kind of adopt certain personalities, can learn about the rules and the incentive systems that certain games set up and play along with them or try to work against them. I really appreciated the way that games kind of create a script for you to interact with other people and you can get a sense for what the feeling of a really dynamic social system is like. Some games that come to mind are, right, like Pandemic, I think, is a, is a popular one amongst some of the public health professionals I know um, and capturing that sense of like cooperation and a race against the clock and a lot of the abstract feelings in complex scenarios that I think could be hard to discuss, but that can, in that case, you know, create like a fun environment around them. And I was interested in how to use that process for opening up more discussion around the actual interpersonal dynamics of science of academic research and um, as I was thinking more about it you know I've been thinking about videos maybe about like comics about some other visual visual medium that can help condense a lot of those stories but it made the most sense to me for some of these topics that have to do with personal interactions to use a game to try to frame those personal interactions to get a taste of what some of this behind the scenes work of research is like. It's really awesome. So originally it stemmed from a hobby and then you were able to find, I guess, the MIT Game Lab at MIT and that helped you bridge that connection. What was something you learned early on in thinking about using games to focus on different learning outcomes? Or maybe what was something you learned early on through the MIT Game Lab? One thing that I really appreciated about the Game Lab, they have an ongoing like long-term project about colonial themes in board games and specifically looking at games that kind of use real places, real times in history um, and kind of recreate them and how they're, those games, especially some might have an educational purpose, so at least stated, some might not. And looking at how putting you in the role of uh, a colonizer putting you in the role of someone just extracting resources from a place might be a helpful 
learning tool in some cases if it's you know in the right context if it's surrounded with the right tools and resources but if it's not that might kind of just reinforce a lot of these dynamics if you're not taking the time to think about them and so i think that was one thing i learned from the just being around the game lab and and joining in on some of their play tests and analysis uh and discussion sessions around some of these games you know i just learned early on from being around here the power that perspectives can have and the power that like donning um, a certain persona or a certain set of goals and objectives in a game can have. And I think that really prompted me to think about when I was modeling, you know, my personal take on academic research and, and science funding, you know, that there were things that I wanted to get across that maybe I might not necessarily associate with a lot of games I played before, like multiple people can win. There's a sense of being able to decide how competitive or cooperative you want to be able to play. Uh, there are certain uh, certain kinds of personal dynamics that I wanted to keep that, you know, being around the game lab reminded me to kind of make more conscious decisions about, as opposed to maybe relying on tropes that I've seen before that have made for game mechanics that I know work. And then in the early phases of the design process, as I was showing the prototypes to people, I feel like especially with my background as an artist, I, it seemed really clear from early on that I can't take myself out of the design of this game. That in the end, you know, it is a model of a situation, a model of a system. And in simplifying something down into a, a actual playable game, you know, someone is going to have to make choices about like what is the main point of this game uh, you can't you can't include everything otherwise that would just be you know the game would be go out and start a career and it would not be a playable game and so seeing more of the responses that people had to some of the humor that i had in the game or some of the dynamics that i had where it didn't necessarily have to be that competitive was really it was really nice to see the positive reactions to that and to see the way that those kinds of things resonated with other people's experiences of academic research as well. So I think that was an important lesson that I learned as well as I was kind of hesitant to kind of put a lot of my personality or put a lot of um, what I felt was maybe my own individual take on research. But then I realized that was kind of necessary if it was going to actually be a playable game with editorial and design decisions made so that it can fit within the span of like 30 minutes. Right. And I think that's super interesting is really honing in on what makes the game a game, right? And also not losing sight of what the experience you want the players to have when they play the game and what they want to, what you want them, especially in your game, what you want them to take away from having played. So can you share a little bit about what is unfundable, like what the what the experience or what the game mechanics are like? Sure, yeah. Unfundable is a game uh, designed for five players, a little flexible on the number, that puts the players in the position of a professor, a researcher at a university leading a health research lab. The goal of the game is to first not lose, and there's some built-in competition in the game to get papers throughout so that at the end of the game you don't have the lowest number of papers because at the end of the game the person with the lowest number of papers loses and then beyond that you have personal goals that sort of tie into 
personal motivations for going into research. Uh, some people might want the highest number of publications. Some people might want to be the expert in a specific field. Some people might be more concerned with how everyone across the board is doing if they're all approaching one specific topic. Uh, and so the second objective is to complete your personal goal after not coming in last with papers. And so in order to accomplish those goals and get the papers, uh, you have to be able to contribute the right amount of resources to receive a grant. And in this game, the grants are in a few different areas like epidemiology, maternal health, mental health, and they usually require more resources than any one person will be able to collect on their own. Uh, and so each person has a special color and shape of resource, and most of the grants, especially the ones that reward a higher number of papers, uh, require every color and sometimes multiple of certain colors to actually achieve the grant and get the research done that will reward the papers. And so the primary mechanic is negotiation. There's not really any turn order. Everyone lays out the grants at the middle of the table. Everyone has their resources and everyone can see everything on the board at the same time. And then from there, it's sort of an open discussion to see who has what resources, who is interested in what. And on a personal level, you're trying to figure out how to be able to work with people and balance the short-term collaboration needed to actually get anything done uh, with the pressure and incentive from the game to also remember to look out for your own performance and your own personal goals long term. And there's a built-in discussion session after the game that asks the players to think about how does their own personality relate to some of the personal goals in the game? Does this kind of personal dynamic match any situations they've been in before? Does it match their ideas of science? Because I wanted to create a game that would let you think about your own personality, your own personal goals, especially for students going into uh, science and health research, to think about the way that getting research done is not something that you can accomplish completely on your own. It's going to require collaboration. It's going to require trying to make cases for funding that you deserve it and that you will have the right amount of resources and skills and experience to actually uh, use it and take advantage of it and make the most of it. And so I think there's a lot of that communicative and interpersonal side of science and academic research that are not well talked about inside the classroom or even in professional development settings that at least I experienced when I was in college and shortly after. And so I wanted to find a way to have each player individually think about their own goals, their own interpersonal interactions, and then ideally to be able to play this game uh, with a scientist, with a professor, or with a research scientist professionally that can share their own stories. Um, and so that's sort of the kind of event that I was envisioning this to really be good public engagement with science and especially uh, engagement with aspiring scientists. Yeah, I remember when you reached out to me through email and I had just left Taiwan and academia and at least for now, temporarily not in academia, but it really hit home because Taiwan was really starting to, I don't know if I want to use the word crack down, but encourage, I guess encourage is maybe a better word, encourage more 
research because the nature of Taiwan, as far as the birth rate goes, is worrying because schools are shutting down. There are some schools, like elementary schools in rural areas, that are shutting down because they don't have students. And that's kind of the way that they are maybe like skimming out teachers down the road so they don't have to, you know, fire teachers. They're just not meeting their research, I guess, deadlines or putting out enough papers. And for me, I enjoyed doing the research because I really love to think about problems in my classroom and think about how I can really look at any data to back up some solutions. But I know in my colleagues' eyes, some of them the university I worked for, you could choose research track or teaching track. But after they started encouraging more research papers to be completed, they had to switch. No one could really be on teaching track anymore. They had to do some sort of research and get papers published. Um, so I, I thought it was super interesting, the idea. And I love how you included the discussion at the end. Uh, my wife and I, we were, we were kind of playing it and we looked at the questions and like, these are, these are definite teacher questions here. <laughs> yeah. That part was really important to me and definitely inspired by a lot of the play tests as I was going through and testing it out, especially with uh, graduate students and people working in public health labs, having discussions around some of the surprising parts about going into research as a career compared to studying, let's say science in undergrad. The questions are definitely informed by, the stories that people were kind of sharing naturally, at least with me when I was playtesting it. So you've kind of playtested it with uh, graduate students and maybe some professors. Have you had any non-academic players play the game? Yeah, so largely through friends and social networks, I've been able to test it out with uh, more of uh, board game hobbyists, which has been interesting to sort of see how it plays out in that crowd i think compared with more of the student or academic crowd as well which all, which definitely influenced some of the design as i think as i was testing out the mechanics to make sure that the game actually worked and was playable and was fun it was very it was much more competitive with some of the board game hobbyists than when i brought it into research labs or when i brought it to college students. As I was testing it out earlier, I thought, you know, everything was pretty well balanced. Uh, there was like a, a nice mix of competition and collaboration built in. But then as I brought it to more of the people that were not used to playing board games as often, people wanted more competition built in. And it was a very different like style and pace of game. As students and researchers that I tested with uh, were kind of hesitant to bring in some of the competitive edge, um, although they in discussing the game afterward, they kind of wanted a little bit more of that built in. So that was an interesting balance as I tried it out with different groups of people and knowing that my target, at least, even though I do want to create a generally enjoyable game, a more um, wider interest game that you might actually want to play, you know, repeatedly or have in your shelf, not just play this one time in a in an educational setting. As I was trying it out with a few different audiences, it was interesting to see the different play styles and to try to frame a little bit more of what I wanted, which was a little bit of the necessary balance of cooperation and competition uh, that I think mirrors kind of like you were outlining as a situation in Taiwan. Um, in the U.S., a lot of research universities have 
these competitions sort of built in where they might you know hire more assistant professors than can get tenure track or have more tenure track positions than can actually receive tenure and I've heard about this more in the past, but even at graduate student levels of not being able to fund everyone for their entire time, there's sort of this built-in competition that can get in the way of what is usually touted as a very cooperative, collaborative experience where there's general knowledge to contribute to, there's the field and science and learning as a whole to contribute to that sort of filters through a lot of these real-world personal career concerns um, when you're income and your livelihood is kind of on the line at the same time right i think i also i mean the game one thing i didn't consider until we started talking is how it does kind of mirror that though right you could play the game without having any collaboration and you you may do well right you could there could be a way where you don't really collaborate with anyone to negotiate a grant for research papers and you end up winning i don't i mean only played it once, so I'm not sure. Maybe I'm wrong, but it seems like that could be a potential outcome of the game. Yeah, I wanted to make it possible. In my experience, some of the more uh, collaborative personal goals, for example, are a little easier to achieve and then also kind of have this uh, self-feeding cycle where if you're willing to collaborate with someone, that starts to create a more collaborative environment, at least in that play session. And... In my experience, testing out the game and playing the game, some of the more competitive play styles, it can be a little harder to win. But that definitely depends on the precedent and the culture of that particular playgroup, of that particular session. So I, I really enjoyed the possibility of leaving it open to decide, like, is this going to be a game where we help each other? Is this going to be a game where if it's not going to cost me that much or... If it's not going to be too much trouble for me, do I want to see someone else win alongside of me? Or do I want to just kind of close it off? Like, if I've accomplished my thing, I'm done. I, I really wanted to leave that power to decide up to each individual player and then to see how those decisions can interact with each other. Um, and then there's a certain amount. Some of the personal goals are more competitive where you want to see someone else lose or where you want to help someone else win. So some are more collaborative as well. And so there is a possibility, I think, to win and to have fun in like any play style that you want, uh, which was an important option for me. But I do think the game is, through the sessions that I've seen and been a part of, it seems to be a little more skewed toward the cooperative route is probably where you're going to have an easier time in most cases. Right. I think it's something that we or I mentioned before we started recording as a game that I created that's pretty similar. At least it, it's focused around the same central mechanic of negotiating and secret secret goals. And students worked in groups, and each group was a company, and they had to achieve their secret goal, but they also had to give up a little bit in order to get there. And getting that secret goal actually benefited them more if they were willing to make a sacrifice to help another company. So it's kind of like, Yes, we're collaborating, but we're collaborating because I want to win. And that seems like a very similar situation with Unfundable too, is right, you you collaborate because you you're kinda doing it because they have something you need. <laughs> you have that, that blue resource, which is I mean it's a win win, right? That's kind of the idea is that 
you're helping each other. What is interesting with Unfundable is there's one winner, right? Am I remembering this correctly? There is one loser for sure. One loser. Okay. Yeah. And then everyone else has the opportunity to win. Oh, that's right. You don't lose your job, right? So you you could end up losing your job if you have the lowest amount of papers and you don't meet your secret goal. You lose your job. Yeah. Otherwise, you win as long as you don't fall into one of those two categories. Yeah. Really cool. So I think, I mean, there's something to be said about designing games and seeing how they are received in both the hobby gamer world and in an educational setting with the target group you're trying to reach out to and have a teaching moment for. Do you have any advice you might give to someone that's maybe in the same situation as you or a teacher that's just trying to think of a clever way to make their lesson more engaging, but they're not sure if that game is actually fun? Yeah, definitely. What has been helpful for me is just trying to get it in front of as many people as possible. I think play sessions are a great way to just see first logistically, like especially if you're trying to use it in educational settings, like how much time does it take? How flexible are the number of players? How much space do you need? I think there's a lot of that to kind of figure out that also influence the design of my game. And then to see you know, if it wasn't a priority of mine to get it in front of different kinds of audiences, I'm not sure that I would have seen as quickly how you know, I had one understanding of how much competition was built into the game, and then that ended up not really being true once I actually put it in front of people who, who had less competitive play styles. And it was also definitely helpful to be able to play with people with a lot more experience of board game design and board game playing, because they were able to give me more precise feedback about what did and didn't work, um, even what visual design choices were kind of rough in the setting of trying to view something in the middle of a table, what mechanics felt natural and what didn't. So I think it was really helpful to get it in front of people with a lot of experience to get more precise feedback, because I think the play tests with the students and with more of the target audience uh, that was not as used to playing board games, observing the play sessions and taking a lot of notes was really helpful, uh, but the feedback wasn't always quite as actionable as some of the feedback from people who are more versed. And I think a lot of the mechanics and just with more experience with how some of these experiences work. Right. And I think just to echo what you said is definitely get it in front of at least a couple people. Cause as a teacher, we might not have access to loads of play testers, but even if you just put it in front of like a friend or significant other, just to, and teaching, we do demo lessons, just do a demo play real quick. And, that I think, like you said, it would really help iron out the logistics of using the game in class too. Yeah, and even describing the experience, the theme, the goals, even just giving a short pitch or a short overview of what the experience would be is very helpful because I think even getting that initial gauge of like, is this idea at all interesting to people? Does this idea spark excitement? Does it make people want to play? Um, Is the language and the other visuals and other things that I'm using making people interested? Does it evoke fun and excitement if that's my goal? Um, I think even talking about the design with people can also reveal a lot because I think you can see right away like is the language and the framing that I'm using 
turning people away immediately or is it like making people more curious i think um getting demos play sessions pitches like i think just getting as many eyes and ears as possible has been a lifesaver on this project and that would be my first word of advice to anyone whoever wants to try this out as well right i i think i would agree with you 100 percent there all right sam we're gonna move into the final segment round and this is a rapid fire thumbs up thumbs down round statement and you give me a thumbs up if you like it and a thumbs down if you really don't prefer it and a brief reason why okay so the first one i know you're pretty busy as a comparative media studies student at mit so the first one is gaming during the week i say thumbs down because i usually i think get as much enjoyment kind of letting a twitch stream play in the background um like, I've been vicariously enjoying Temtem a lot recently, so I would say thumbs down, because I think I have more time to focus on that if I want to game on the weekend. I, it's, I think it's so crazy, our generation now, that, like, we we love watching other people play games. It's, yeah. <laughs> I would have never thought that would be a thing, but it's uh, <laughs> same same situation. It's like, well, I can just watch someone play and kind of do something and, and play that. <laughs> yeah, it relates. I was the, the younger brother... Uh, growing up and so there would be many times where like I would end up watching my older brother play you know single player games and that kind of thing so I feel like maybe uh-huh. I was trained for this right, right. next one print and play games big thumbs up I think um, that's one of the goals that I have with my game as well to always make it available via print and play I think even you know, I never want to cut and fold that many pieces again but I think being able to get a feel for the design, being able to look at how the pieces play together, it's a really nice way. You know, I personally would only ever really do that for a game I was considering purchasing, and I think that would help me make the final decision. So big thumbs up for print and play. And this one I actually just thought of because I had a different one, but I like this better. Operation. <laughs> um, thumbs down for me because my hands are not quite that steady. And I feel like just very clumsy when I've tried to play that game. Um, I usually don't think of myself as like clumsy or oafish or anything, but playing that game, like I just feel full bull in China shop. <laughs> and the last one, games on your phone. I say thumbs down because I used to have uh, games downloaded on my phone and I've been slowly just trimming down the amount of things on my phone, I think, to try to make it less of a distraction and try to make it less of a go-to in public or social situations or anything like that. So I think thumbs down somewhat reluctantly. All right. So, Sam, thank you again for your time. I learned a lot about your design process for Unfundable, and I think I have some takeaways for using games in my class, too. If someone wanted to follow up with anything you said or also find the game Unfundable, where can they find you? And do you have anything else you're currently working on? Great, yeah. Uh, One way to see more of my work and um, reach out is through my website, samuelanimates.com. And a way to learn more about Unfundable specifically is at the website unfundable.fun. Right now it is available, the first edition is available on the Game Crafter, and I'm hoping to 
see about a broader possible Kickstarter campaign for a second edition and to include more uh, educational resources and curriculum tied with the game specifically. So that's one thing I'm working on now. And I definitely have ideas for other games that hopefully you'll see from me in the future. Really awesome. We'll keep our eyes out for those. Again, Sam, thank you for your time. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Board Game with Education. Again, go to boardgamewitheducation.com. Sign up for our newsletter to get access to our upcoming news, updates, resources, all that great stuff, boardgamewitheducation.com. Before we go, again, remember, check out Evolution Education Edition. This episode would not be possible without their sponsorship, so I'm grateful for that and also happy to share a really fantastic game to use for science classrooms. You can go to evolutionvideogame.com backslash education to check that out. Right now, it's 50% off, so go check it out. Thank you for listening in this week. If you like what you heard, be sure to let us know. You can find us on social media as Board Gaming with Education or BGE Games, or email us at podcast at boardgamingwitheducation.com. If you want to support our podcast, be sure to check out our support page on our website. As always, teach better, learn more, and most importantly, play more. Thank you for listening, and until next time.